Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctors. He travels the vortex and arrive at episode 442, where it's more spooky time. Daphne. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Daphne. (laughs) Creeped out. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite to the level of the Fraggle Rock episode with the Fraggle-eating rock monster (laughs) that would would lay down there and, Heidi. But close. <laughs> you guys, oh, you guys have a good week. Yeah, I watched a couple of films. So did I. <laughs> so did I. What'd you watch, Clay? <laughs> well, I better wait to talk about mine. Uh, we went and saw Abominable today. Oh, how is that? It's very cute. How to train your dragon with a yeti? Yes. <laughs> how to train your dragon with a yeti? <laughs> it's it's how it's, to train your yeti. How Sorry. to train your yeti? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's uh, a. <laughs> Now they've introduced how to train a dragon, and they're using yetis to train them. That's what it sounded like. It's very, uh, very et, but that's okay because it's it's really cute. And I don't know if this was intentional or not, but the uh, the, the crusty old guy who was the adventurer who went hunting and found the yeti and is now Professor Travers is very Professor Travers. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, he's not named that, but he just he he, he goes on and on and on about how the scientific community won't believe him without proof, and he, he's it's just like, man, I'm getting a huge Doctor Who vibe off of this. <laughs> Maybe it's me, and I'm reading too much into it, but maybe no. that's just the type of person that goes and hunts for yetis. Well, that could be too. It was very cute. Yeti hunters have a type. Apparently. <laughs> it's Eddie Izzard. <laughs> oh, is that who plays That's him? That's who plays him. <laughs> See anything else? Um, Keith, did you see anything? Oh, yeah, we started... Uh, yeah, it took me a minute. We started What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, the after, series? After we watched the movie. We watched this, the first two episodes of the series. And I know you said lower my expectations. I have to be honest... I think I like the TV show better. I think the what? pacing helps it a lot because it's still got the dry humor, but they it's don't a shorter tidbit they, of it. Yeah, well, they don't have the time to wait for the joke to land, so they just do it and move on. Whereas the other one, you kind of okay, I laughed at that, and I'm still you're still milking it for that Bob Newhart pause, you know. And it's like, mm. and I like dry sardonic humor, but uh, I, I do. I've enjoyed the show so far. Huh. Nice. Hey, did you watch anything? I didn't. I didn't really either. Besides our homework. Shows kind of came back this week, so. Oh yeah, I still not watching anything. I'd like to catch up on the Arrowverse since the big crossover events come. I'm Crisis gonna stop coming. after Crisis. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah, and kind of burned out on it. Yeah, I've I've already dropped off of Arrow for last season and mm-hmm. Supergirl, and I'm gonna watch Flash until Crisis, and then probably end. You heard Pro- the latest casting news for Crisis, right? Is he pretty much if you walk past the studio, they'll offer you a cameo? Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. I'm sure. I'm going to be in it. And there's going to be some people turning it down, <laughs> as there has been one publicly. Oh, has there? Who was that? Uh, the guy who played Lex in Smallville oh, turned it okay. down. Rosenbaum? Yeah, Michael Rosenbaum. Eh, oh, well. Yeah, there's going to be enough <laughs> other people that there's, right. uh, there's a lot. There's enough fan service in there. All right, well, should we move on to feedback? Okay. No, I did it again, didn't I? Well, you were just going to go with it. Let's do feedback let's first. Let's do feedback, feedback first. first. Feedback this week comes... I'm just so excited to hear what Jamie has to say. <laughs> feedback this week comes from Jamie. Greeting Vortexers. On the topic of cast ages when comparing TV versus audio, I just finished Castrovalva and then listened to Psychodrome, which takes place very soon after it. It's a good story, by the way. It does a lot to build the TARDIS team's relationships with each other that the TV series never really did. Adric sounds off, doesn't necessarily sound older, but maybe a bit more high-pitched, more hoarse. The Doctor does sound a little older, but it doesn't bother me like it did you guys when you first started listening to Big Finish. I suspect that's because I've gotten used to it through prolonged exposure. Watching more TV stories, and I find they found near, sound nearly identical. Nissa sounds very similar to what I'm hearing on TV, as does Tegan, although again, with Nissa, it may just be more familiarity. I'm also re-watching the TV movie and listening to Season of Fear. What surprises me is how young Paul McGann sounds, especially in his narration at the beginning. Again, listening to 
Seasons of Fear gives a nice similarity with narration. However, all the stuff I've come to expect from McGann, the thrill of adventure, the fast-talking at times, the anger that his doctor can display, it's all there in the film. Oh, and by the way, Tungus is short for the AMPM slogan, Too Much Good Stuff. I see those AMPM commercials all the time in my area. I don't really find them creepy so much as annoying and kind of stupid. Episode 131. Really enjoyed the feedback song this time out. The Beach Boy song sounded great. It seems Sean's getting better and better each episode. Oh, just wait, Jamie. (laughs) I did watch the arc, but it's been a while. The monoids look really good. The story was pretty good, too. Dota was fine, driving the plot forward. As far as a complete first story, she had a good one. Ish. I really enjoyed Ish. For me, the wordplay was very enjoyable, and Colin is excellent at that sort of thing. Perry does well here, and I thought some of the ideas with Book, Warren, and the Omniverbum were really interesting. But that said, I can see why some people wouldn't like it. Episode 132 and the start of your Colin Baker month. First up, we have The Mysterious Planet. I remember enjoying this when I watched it several years ago. I remember Glitz, although my memories of him are blurred with my memories of Dragonfire. I don't remember Dibber as much. I did do a quick IMDb wiki search, and as far as I can tell, both actors are still alive. So having Glitz show up in a Colin or Sylvester story isn't outside the realm of possibility. Prisoners of Time 6. I enjoyed this one. This is where the main arc starts to really pick up. The art is great, and I really enjoy Frobisher. You talked about the issue's story with the Master and the Autons, possibly an homage to the unmade Season 23 story Yellow Fever and How to Cure It, being unfinished with an abrupt ending. Having just reread it, I can kind of see your complaints, but I guess I just assume that after the Doctor melted the Autons, the Master fled like he normally does. Still really enjoying this whole series. Episode 133, Trouble in Paradise. I remember enjoying this one and thought the space buffalo was hysterical. (laughs) But it's been ages, so my memory may be a little hazy. Quick side note, if you would like to own a Traveling the Vortex Space Buffalo t-shirt, visit our website. That's me and not Jamie. Uh, As for the Doctor Who theme and its variants in Big Finish, you praised Destiny of the Doctor series for having the proper theme variant for the featured Doctor, while childing the main range for not. And it's true that in the beginning, apart from the new theme for the 8th Doctor, Big Finish used the primary 4th Doctor theme for everyone. This isn't the case anymore. And I, for one, am extremely glad. (laughs) Mind Warp. Now, I actually enjoyed this story. Yes, Brian Blessed is awesome, but I kind of like Syl. He's fun for me. I haven't seen Vengeance on Veros, so this is my only exposure to him on television. I have listened to his two audio appearances, though. I enjoyed him in those for the most part. I guess his sliminess is just really fun to watch and or listen to. That new uh, Sill video by, um, uh, not real time. Yeah, I think it is real time. Yeah, I think uh, it is. is out now. I saw it on is DVD. It? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. At least I saw an ad crop up on something. So it either it's been released or it's close to release. And uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Neil, is it Neil Sh- Saban? Saban? The guy, the actor that played Soul is back mm-hmm. in that. Yeah. So yeah. We'll have to make sure we get that on the schedule once a copy is available. Uh, 134. I believe I heard a twice upon a time prediction somewhere in here. Also, <laughs> I'd like to bring attention to a day of the doctor prediction. I think it was from Keith that the Zygons would be a pre credits only and a red herring to distract us from the Daleks being the main <laughs> foe. Not quite. <laughs> It's fun to have our mistakes thrown back up in our faces after all these years, isn't it? They still were. They weren't the. They were the heavy, but they weren't still. Well, you're not wrong. I mean, the the, the Daleks were kind of the the bad guy of. You just weren't right, but you, 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 you weren't wrong. But I wasn't wrong. I'll take it. Uh, also, like the feedback song. The Doctor Revisited 6, it's been quite a while since I've watched this. However, you guys mentioned wanting an honest look at the era. Might I point you to Clever Dick Films on YouTube? He's made an excellent videos on the history of Doctor Who, the most recent being McCoy. Well worth the watch. We'll have to look that up. As for Terror of the Vorvoids, I remember it sort of, but it's in fragments, so I can't really say more. And that brings us to Melanie Jane Bush. I don't mind Mel. She's intelligent, inquisitive, is known extensively by casual fans as a screamer. Because of the way season 23 was structured, as well as the behind-the-scenes drama that Mel and the Sixth Doctor kind of got the short end of the stick. 
we know that they have or will have adventures together, and Vervoids is just one of them. Mel has gone on to much better realized on audio, with a total of eight main range stories featuring Mel and Sixie. Granted, that's a relatively small number, and most of Mel's stories have her paired with McCoy, but she's been given a lot more to do than just scream and ask questions. Episode 135. Over the course of Colin Baker Month, you guys talked about a hypothetical biopic of the Colin Baker era in the vein of an adventure space and time. Could you guys see Jason Momoa as the actor to portray Brian Blessed? They look similar, and I think the Momoa could pull off Blessed's energy. What do you think? I think you just get Brian Blessed. <laughs> I mean, the, the man's, man's immortal. The so man's ageless. He is. He's not going to die. He's, he's, he's too ornery. As to Odd Duck Phil's email on multi-doctor pairings, I agree that eight and anybody would be great. Any multi-doctor pairing would be great. The Ultimate Foe. I enjoyed it. Would really like to see a finished Robert Holmes version. The Valiard was a decent villain, and the appearance of the Master was handled well enough, although not necessarily needed. And that brings us to the trial as a whole. I enjoyed this aspect of it. Was it handled as well as it should have been? Well, I don't know. We should have gotten the original season 23 and more years with Colin. The Inquisitor, her name happens to be Dark Hell, was good. Michael Jaston did well with the Valyard, at least with the material he was given. It's still a mess, I'll say that. Although, given everything going on at the BBC, it's understandable, apart from a Seventh Doctor novel and a handful of big finish stories, nobody seems to want to touch the Valyard or the legacy of the trial. And that leads us into the Sixth Doctor retrospective. I really like the Sixth Doctor. Yes, he's brash, arrogant, and loud, but he's also kind, intelligent, and a champion of the underdog. He is the Doctor. Big Finish has done wonders for his characterization and fan perception. What I would say, the quintessential Sixth Doctor story? Well, I don't know. I haven't seen all of his short TV run, and what I have has been a long while back. I also haven't seen the highly regarded Vengeance on Varos or Attack of the Cybermen. I would say if you really want to experience the Sixth Doctor, you need the audios in there for sure. One last thing before I sign out. I've made it to the fifth Doctor in my big watch through of you. Hey, congratulations on finishing Tom. I'd like to comment on the sonic screwdriver. At the time of writing this, I'm only one episode into Kinda. However, I... Kinda. Yes, I know. I did that for you. However, I always remember the sonic was destroyed in the visitation because of overuse. And as I watched through the Fourth Doctor's era, I was curious to see how a device that he barely used could be destroyed by the production team for overuse. It turns out the Sonic only appeared in 14 of the 41 aired Tom Baker serials, at least as best as I can tell. And then Peter Davidson gets the role, and suddenly the writers remember that stupid thing exists, because it appears <laughs> in each of the first three stories of his era in some way, with quite a bit of use in Fort of Doomsday. Personally, I think that its overuse in the modern series is much more noticeable than it ever was in classic. I suppose I can see why the production team in the 80s decided to destroy it, but it wasn't really necessary. Not compared to the use it gets today. That's enough for me from now. Until next time, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. We do a whole episode about the sonic screwdriver and overuse, so look forward to that. Yeah. In your future... All right, now should we move on to news? Yeah, let's do a little bit of news. Our first bit of news is in 2020, Doctor Who is going to become a Build-A-Bear. There's going to be a collection for of Build-A-Bear. Or in, within Build-A-Bear. With Build-A-Bear? I'm not sure what the correct proposition is. A Build-A-Bear branded Doctor Bear. I don't know what the correct one is. A doctor who licensed to build a bear. There you yeah, go. Yeah, there you go. So there's no um, no word for sure if this is going to be UK only or worldwide, but you can build a Doctor Who bear. Does it happen to specify are you know a licensed Doctor Who build a bear? Does that suddenly mean that there are you know thirteen options for this Doctor Who build a bear, or is it? I would uh, hope so, but this this doesn't really specify mm-hmm. what you can build. The, the very specific details have not been revealed. If they want to be on point, it'll be a bear and you choose from 13 different outfits. Or more. Well, yeah. If, you know, I saw <laughs> I somebody, I saw I somebody it, comment, let's make a Cyberman at, uh, at least 13. Bear. Ooh, Glenn could have a Dalek bear. Cyber bear. Or 14, because you got to have the War Doctor in there. Yeah. yeah. 
muddy up Nine's coat a little more. Give add, him a add a scarf. Yeah, a scarf. Just mix eight and Nine's outfits together. Yeah, you know? there you go. My money's on Jody. Uh, At least yeah. to start with, that would be the one to make sense that that's further. And pro- and probably at least all of the new series. Yeah. Definitely Matt Smith, probably David Tennant. <laughs> oh, come on. They already had sure the didn't bow you keep ties. <laughs> Almost guaranteed there'll be a Tom Baker scarf, too. Oh, yeah, so. absolutely. And th- it really depends on, and if it is going to be worldwide, it could depend on UK stores as opposed to US stores. Yeah. UK stores may have a much wider variety than the U.S. stores would. That's true, too. What else? Christopher Eccleston is going to be at Galley 1. Yay! Last I saw, tickets were still available. I don't know if they are still now that they've announced Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> tickets were still available <laughs> after a, the announcement. And, and more importantly, there was a new block of hotel rooms that went up available on Friday, which I didn't look at because the temptation was far too strong <laughs> i told mel it was like i know this is your biggest busiest time of year but <laughs> christopher eccleson, christopher eccleson man. <laughs> we briefly entertained the idea but I, I don't think it's going to happen i'm kind of surprised they didn't sell out of tickets already so i wonder if things are slowing down a little bit for their convention it's also got a very nice uh the other guests that have already been announced is uh a, a complete five doctor run because you've got uh, Davidson and um, Tegan and Nissa and Turlow. Cool. And Frazier, of course, uh, is coming back. <laughs> He's kind well, of a staple now. He is. I think they said something about a perennial guest, Frazier Hines. <laughs> cool. That'll be the big news that we'll have to announce on some day. Well, Frazier's not coming to Galley. Sure. <laughs> that, that's when that'll be an announcement. Right, right. What else? That's it. That's it. That's news. all the news. All the news that's fit to talk about. All right. Well, let's move on to our reviews. The Ghoul. A former priest named Dr. Lawrence harbors a dark and horrible secret in his attic. The locked room serves a, as a prison cell for his crazed, cannibalistic adult son who acquired his savage tastes in India during his father's missionary work there. Lawrence fears that his son will escape to prey upon the effect guests at his rural English estate during a cross-country auto race. Yeah, what? what? <laughs> Are you done? Did you fall asleep? During this movie? Almost. <laughs> Twice. Wow. I. Uh, so Sean didn't like it. Somebody else go first. <laughs> I feel like I, t- I monopolized it last week. Uh, you know, oh, we we crapped all over Danny Boyle's film <laughs> last week, so go ahead, <laughs> go ahead, Keith. I don't know if I can crap all over this one. It's very slow paced. It's a lot of sitting around and talking with some really great atmosphere and suspense of what's going on. Why is you know why are they essentially keeping this woman here under <laughs> false pretenses and etc. and you know him killing the the woman's chauffeur, whoever the guy was that was driving. And then it just kind of... Wait, what? He kills the the, the guy, Billy. It's not a chauffeur. No, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the race... The, it was well, a, he wasn't even driving. I she got was. The, yeah, well, but I got the impression it was his party. That the the, the owner of the car. car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was his car, for sure. But, um, you know, I mean, it was... Uh, <laughs> chauffeur <laughs> it was what's her face's brother uh, yeah yeah it was the other gal's brother yeah uh not daphne right right yeah right 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 it's some very interesting performances too um john hurt pulls off a very good creepy guy mm-hmm. yeah most definitely. and i was a little disappointed that there wasn't that he wasn't the ghoul the titular ghoul I An- thought they were heading Angela, that direction. Angela, Angela. I, yeah, um, yeah, was quite when 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 John Hurt first shows up, which, uh, for the record, is twenty two minutes into the film, because the rest of the, the first twenty two minutes are about this um, party and some underage drinking and uh, a, a car race. 
<laughs> that that's totally... I don't know if it's underage drinking because they were in the London. I don't think it was underage either. I got the impression they were all probably college and older. Right. Uh, sure. The, uh, they were at least above sixteen. Je- Jeffrey was a officer in the army, so I mean that was the the the, the guy that yeah. was with. Um, Angela. I just said her name, Angela. Yeah. So I mean, I think they were all in their twenties or so. Yeah, at least adults acting like they were underage drinking because <laughs> the the mentality of the party was was was. Well, it was a very cliche twenties esque. <laughs> party yeah where it's you know it kind of had a to put it in doctor who relations um black orchid feel to it (laughs) (laughs) just with a lot more alcohol (laughs) like a you know you know that actually helps me party i had to laugh that that it helps my enjoyment of this quite a bit now (laughs) i had to laugh that uh we're gonna have a race Right after we finish all the champagne. <laughs> oh, what a great combination. Yeah. That's so safe. That was back before drunk driving was a thing. I'm thinking that one through, aren't or you there, at Billy? Least, at least frowned upon. Well, you know, cranking the engines to start sobers them up. Yeah. I don't know what the exact year this was, but I got the impression it was probably around the 20s and it was after World War One. Yeah. The party definitely had a flapper uh, feel to it. Right. 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 Well, when did the crank cars start? Becoming no longer well, a yeah, thing. Probably not until the. Yeah, it was probably they probably still had those cars up until the thirties. So yeah, it's that that's probably about right. But yeah, John Hurt finally 1920s shows up. Twenties England, according to uh, finally Peter. shows up. And uh, he who? showed up. Peter the John, John Hurt finally shows oh, up. Oh no, that's the, the final to it. He shows up earlier than anybody else. Yeah, twenty two yeah. twenty two minutes into the film, <laughs> and uh, not long at all. <laughs> As for as creepy as he is, immediately kidnapping uh, young Daphne and and stealing her away off the moor and locking her up in his house full of some live, some it, taxidermied animals. More like and his he's not the ghoul or his uh, <laughs> like shed. His shed, yes. Well, it was his garden gameskeeper headquarters. Right. Is what he what he was. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, uh, Cushing told me that later in the movie because i was we really... called him his gardener i would have called him more of it like my groundskeeper is what i would because he had all the animals and although he had all the animals because he was nuts but um <laughs> i have still been the gardener right i i really i was taken aback by the beginning of the movie because you kind of you're misguided as to what it's going to be you know she's going up oh, these yeah. creepy dark stairs it's dark she keeps hearing her name being called she goes up the stairs, she goes in the room, and she sees this guy hanging on a meat hook. And he's still alive, and he's like, Daphne. And then they turn on the lights, and like, everybody's, ah, yeah, yeah, it's a you party. Didn't scream. Right. You didn't scream, good job. It was like, it was all a party game. I, just, I get points because I didn't scream, right? Yep, you you did. And I thought, what a, what a wild misdirection. So I was actually kind of pleased by that because I thought, oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't expect that to happen. You know, you, you start in a movie like this, and then suddenly you're like, ah. Um, but the race, I admit, I mean, the race was, they were trying to build some early suspense, I think is what they were doing. And I, I, I wholeheartedly expected somebody to crash and burn and die a lot earlier oh, yeah. in that race. But, um, and not just run out of gas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he makes the, you know, the comment, which is a little <laughs> bit of foreshadowing when he walks up the road a little bit and he says, we could have plummeted off this. It's a sheer cliff. We could have plummeted off this. Well, we right. didn't. You know, she's so flippant about it. Um, yeah, no, I just, I, you know, I didn't think it took all that long to get to the house stuff. I think there's a lot. There, I, 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 I agree with you. There it is took a 22 l- minutes. There is a lot of uh, droll <laughs> moments in this, and there's a lot of, but it's, it's, it's almost kind of. Um, I liked it. I liked. I liked that it was just this kind of suspenseful buildup. For, for much of the film, once they get past the race, because I, I agree the race was a little bit. Um, but the, I, I like the suspense. The, I like the buildup. I like. I love the interaction between Daphne and Peter Cushing. Um, what was his Doctor Lawrence? Which he was. Yeah. He was the doctor. Um, 
I liked that, you know, their, the, the relationship and then the, it, it's just really kind of um, menacing the whole the whole atmosphere, the, the whole tone of the, the thing. There's something upstairs, you know, there's something in this room. It's unsettling. It is unsettling. And, and I kind of like that about that. It was it was kind of it was it was subtle tone is what it was. And see, and, and I, I guess I missed the hints that there was something in the room until something kind of came out of the room and came down. Well, you know, that she, ke- she had put the the. Um, what was the what did they call her the Aya? She had um, put the little she had been putting the bowls up there in front of the door. Um, Cushing has the conversation about you know his wife had passed and his son right. doesn't see and I thought I wonder if the yeah. son he doesn't see is because he's locked away in a room upstairs. Mm-hmm. Also, we get that um, the little title card at the beginning that defines a ghoul, um, which I couldn't quite read it because the quality yeah, of the film, but it, it's something and that about horrible red it said, font. It said something about um, uh, locked away in the attic or kind of kind of thing. So I knew oh, I, okay. I that to me set the tone that there was something up there behind the door and that, that was obviously being hidden. Um, I like the development of of Cushing's character of this like tormented um, religious man who loses his faith over the fact that you know his wife is killed and but she uh, we don't it's not disclosed to later that the reason he's going through this is because he promised her to take care of the son but um just this 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 struggle and torment between the eastern philosophies of of religion and christianity and how he's brought the ayah into the home in order to basically go through the ritual of feeding the son, mm-hmm. but he would lock himself away in the uh, little chapel sanctuary that he's built for, you know, in order to, to, and to do violin. Yeah. And, yeah. To, and well, and, and to pray. I mean, when he goes in there and he's like, he's obviously tormented by it and he's still trying to seek some forgiveness for, for what's happening and what he's letting go on. Um, so I like, I thought that was cool. It was just, it was a really neat dynamic of, of, this struggle that he had with, I mean, he's, he's clearly also gone mad as well, but, <laughs> but, but more in a subtle uh, tone than, than John Hurt's character has yeah. a John Hurt character. You, uh, and I think that it's, it's, I think it's kind of relayed to us later when we learn that he was in the army. I think that he did. I think he's, he's the way he is probably because of going through the war. He's shell shocked. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. is shell shocked. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Jeffrey brings that up. Um, Peter Cushing was absolutely mesmerizing is, every time he, he was on screen. It doesn't matter if that man is Grand Moff Tarkin or uh, Victor Frankenstein or Doctor Who or, you know, uh, Van Helsing or even in, you know, Dr. Lawrence's character. It doesn't matter what character he is. He's so charming in oh, everything. Yes. Yeah. Whether he's being evil or whether he's being the ultimate good guy, he's just got this sophistication and this charm that I absolutely love watching out of that character yeah, yeah. or out of that actor. It's just, he, he's so amazing. I think he's, he's the best part of this. He's the best. Yeah, part that of I will 100% movie. agree. With. Uh, John Hurt is the second best part of this. His performance is phenomenal. I mean, you're so uneasy with this guy that you, it, you put, just it feel creeped it, out. Yeah. When puts he's you around. Off, and yeah. I like that. I like that in a, in a, in a performance. In a film. And then how desperate he gets and how much he turns the tables once he gets in that quicksand at yeah. the end. That was, that was some great performance too. So now you can consider we got a twofer here because yes. we've got John Hurt <laughs> as the doctor yes. uh, who was, who played the doctor. We've got Peter Cushing who played the doctor. We also got, and I don't know if you guys do this, but Ian McKellar who played uh, Jeffrey also played Nilsson in Warriors of the Deep in Doctor Who. Oh. He was one of the East Block guys. He's the one that kidnaps oh. Turgan, uh, Turgan, uh, Tegan in uh, Warriors of the Deep, and he's the one that ends up, uh, I think the Doctor used the ultraviolet converter on him and blinded him, and then in, and ultimately he stumbles around and gets shot by the Sea Devils. That's Ian McKellen. I did not yeah. know that. <laughs> so huh. we got a threefer on this one, <laughs> which we're going to turn around and do again in the next Well, not a threefer, but we're going to twofer in the next one as well. But um, Now, I, I, I liked it because it's atmospheric. It's not one that I can revisit and watch several times, um, but I, I quite enjoyed it. And I think the, the the detriment to the film is that the ghoul is underused maybe to a point. Maybe it maybe it's just Well, I think enough. there's a good reason he was underused. It was because once he became on screen, I was not impressed by his impre- by his look. Well, I, I the makeup could also, have been the makeup could have been better. The, 
But I think that imposing mystery of him was a lot better than... The shots of when you don't actually see much of him was great. The yeah, shots of him walking down, down the, stairs, the stairs was just those feet. Just the was, bloody yeah. arms was, was, and was horrendous. And, yeah. and the, uh, the, the the sharpened uh, appendage, basically. That, you know, Okay, that's that's all horrifying. Appendage? His... Knife? His, well, initially when you first see it, it almost looks like it's part oh, of his it's, arm. Oh, well, it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's the way he's holding he's, it. He's got the... It's got the little knuckle... Yeah. Uh, grips um so uh, that, that's all horrifying but yeah the final shot when he actually steps out and it's like like frankenstein head green but just on the head <laughs> it, yeah i'm not gonna dog on it because it's a production thing and it's like you know i understand but that was uh that, that seemed an odd choice that they went now maybe because ghouls are traditionally green i don't know but or if nothing else, I would have liked to have him be a bit more of a than a lumbering monster. Something a little bit more depth, or I was okay with it. In in the plus <laughs> column is definitely the performances because Peter Cushing, as you said, is phenomenal, and the, the the torment that he went through was was certainly interesting. That you have this character who, when he first shows up, you kind of are immediately thinking, okay, bad guy. You're 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 up to something nefarious. There's something screwy going on, but it's Peter Cushing, and so he's so charming. And then, honestly, whenever Peter Cushing's even playing a good guy, I don't fully trust him. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> that's 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 the Grand Moff Tarkin yeah. thing for me, though. But uh, you know, he you kind of get this sob story from him, and he builds violins, and you know, he he's he's very disarming about the whole thing. And then they kill Daphne, although he's not really a party to that so yeah. you, you you kind of flip back and go well maybe he's not the bad guy but then he's more than willing to lie about it to the next mm-hmm. visitor that comes yeah. up so it's like no you you really kind of are the bad guy yeah. but as his story unfolds and you get more and more pieces of it it, it definitely adds layers. so many layers and yeah. so much nuance to his performance it's great uh also in the plus column is john hurt as you mentioned his performance and he's just nuts um, whether we want to call it shell shocked or you know give it a, a, a rationale or not, the guy is out there, and the way that he's able to flip from one extreme to the other with what seems to make sense in his mind is almost scarier than anything the ghoul comes up with. Yeah, than, yeah, than I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned atmospheric. I I don't. I didn't find this terribly atmospheric, mainly because they set it up like it's this big oh, the house on the moors kind of thing. And we're ultimately in the house. We're really restricting the action to the sitting room and the one bedroom. That, that's really kind of the... So, so you don't get the the sense of this big mansion where anything could jump out at you from anywhere. I mean, it's just... Well, I don't think that's what they're going locations. for. I don't think that's what they're going for. Um, there, there's, there, there's three points of interest. There's the study... No, there's four. There's four points of interest. There's the study. There's the gamekeeper's track or the gardener's shack. There's the uh, bedroom, and there's the room upstairs. And that's that's all you need. That's that that's where everything takes place. Yeah. And we don't see in the room upstairs. We only see, we only know what's beyond that door, or we don't even know what's beyond the door. We know something's beyond that door. Right. And so I I think that's what I mean by atmosphere. Is there's this there's this impending uneasiness about this house about there's something wrong we've got the ayah who's you know going through these hinduistic rituals all the time you know she's doing these prayers and these chants and and she goes you know and, and sits with the bowl and and then after she depo- disposes of daphne's body you know she goes through the ritual of the salt and all those things and so there's just it's it's that it's that kind of spiritualism that i think uh and, and coupled with the the fact that Doctor Lawrence still has some um, attachment to his Christian uh, beliefs, I just it, to that there's that that's what I mean by the atmosphere mm-hmm. of it. It's not I don't mean like in a in most horror movies where there's this like impending doom or dread all the time. It's just there's there there's almost an uneasiness in this movie the entire yeah. time. Well, not the, to mention you don't know what John Hurt's going to do to any of these girls he keeps trapping in this. right. His shack. Well, and the fact that Peter, she keeps trying to leave, and then Peter Cushing co- keeps convincing her not to because of the fog or et cetera. It, it, Maybe that it's cold outside. <laughs> yeah, not far off. But it definitely adds, I think, to the atmosphere, too. 
I think my the, for me the the weak link in this honestly is is what what did you call it? the I I I will I uh, I, 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 I I think she's I, kind of the I, uh, maybe weak link's not the right word maybe a missing link is the is the right way to put it because for all the religious overtones that could be present I don't feel like we're given enough I mean she could she could be she could be controlling the ghoul for for all we really know I mean this could be a, a, a it could be voodoo or, or you know some sort of uh, Indian mysticism that's causing this no, voodoo is not Indian mysticism. well you, you understand what I'm Hindu, saying but yeah. um, you know the, 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 there's so much that's just kind of left there that you you have to take on the faith that uh, you know and then when 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 Cushing renounces her in the chapel how dare you do this and that's really kind of the only instance where you, you you get the sense of these two conflicting religions really butting heads because well no, through the rest of it he he treats her like in english and and, and do this and i mean she's very much the servant well, and he is the master of it but at that moment you begin to wonder maybe is she really the one pulling the strings no see i this? think i think you missed something because that's all sort of set up in that discussion with daphne that he and his wife traveled to India and they, right. they lived in India and that's where they were. And I get the impression that's where the wife died. And he has that ups the, the, the clash is, is that he he almost lost his spiritual because he was a, he was a priest before. Right. And he, he sort of lost that after he went there and experienced the, the, the things that, that men do for other beliefs. Uh, he talks about the, the child's eyes being gouged out by his father right. as a ritualistic, uh, you know, uh, uh service which is enough and to so, shake anybody yeah and it, it so it's something that i think he that that also lends to that conflict that he got he went there and he became so immersed in uh the the culture of what was happening and i i think that i got the impression that the wife more so did and i and and it's not really disclosed why the the boy grows up to be this grotesque thing because he obviously didn't start out that way because his picture is relatively normal. Mm -hmm. So we don't understand why it happened, but I got the impression that the wife left the orders to protect him and he knew that the Aya could go through this. It was. It's not okay for him. The, the, obviously, the ghoul needs human flesh. We get that much that that that's what it survives on. Right. Okay. Well, he can't bring himself to do that as a Christian man, especially as a former priest. Right. So he brings the ayah, who that's already the ghoul is already part of their religion. It's already part of Hinduism. So she already has the ritual. So I don't think she was controlling him. I think she knew the spiritualism behind the practice of keeping the ghoul. And so, I mean, she even says she prayed for the girl to come. And I think that that implies that she know, she has the the steps in order to go through, in order to keep this child alive, or this, this man alive now. He's obviously a grown man. And so, because he kept, he held, he's keeping this promise to his wife, he's allowing this kind of thing to happen, but he still is conflicted. So that's why he gets so upset when she's in the chapel doing it. Right. But he's more forgiving or allowing of it in other areas of the house. But I also get the impression that she was also sort of a servant for them. She's been a servant for all these years. In fact, Aya means nurse, I think they said in Hindu, so there, or at least in Indian. And so that was the, uh, you know, she's not only a servant in the way that she, she's sort of the housekeeper, but right. she's also nursemaid to this child you know or the grown child and and, and you you're 100 right in that interpretation but i also can see it going based on the on the same set of facts that whatever happened to the wife and broke him that the aya could be you know leeching off she... of that that she could be the one that either a caused it or controlled it and that he is so broken that he doesn't realize how much in control of the house that she is. Maybe, but I, I think, prayed to bring this woman to us. Maybe, but I'm I doing th that. I mean, think it lacks enough evidence to. I think the the leap is too far for that. Right. Well, so I, I, I think I, like that's I said, why I, can see I it either sort of way. rationalized it 
the way I'm, I'm rational based on the evidence that's presented. I think that you're looking at it from a suppose it's this way. Well, I'm it, looking there, at it no more. Evidence I'm looking at it more from a supernatural horror movie standpoint right, than just right, a right. this is a guy who lost his wife and is broken up about it and doesn't know how to deal with his ailing son. Yeah. Which is really what is presented to us. Uh, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> the fact that this is a horror movie and it's called The Ghoul, I was maybe reading more into it because I was expecting there to be more to it. Yeah. And the fact that she makes it out of all of the people in this movie that die, <laughs> the one person that deserves well, we don't it know. is this We don't creep. know for sure. We know he shot himself, but there are two shots because there's a shot as she's r- running from the house and there's a shot afterwards, after that, and then we see him dead. I think but, he put two in his kid and then popped no, himself. No, he, he did. We saw two shots. We No, we saw the kid shot twice. But I thought we saw... But when we're, when we're show the outside of the house and... Um, uh, uh, Angela's running from the house. We hear two shots. Oh, are there two? There's I a, only there's, heard one. There's a sh- there you see, you hear the shot as she's running away. She runs off scene. There's a push into the door, or there's a cut to the door. There's another shot, and then we cut to the inside, and uh, uh, Lawrence. He, uh, uh, who? Lawrence. Peter. Yeah, Lawrence is yeah. is there with the gunshot wound. Yeah. So I got the impression he shot the Aya and then shot himself. Okay. That makes me feel a little bit better about it. <laughs> yeah, the only person I got out of that house was uh, the was uh, Angela. Now, I give the movie full props for the, the misdirection at the beginning, which was great, and the... Um, who was the... Is it Billy? Is he the, the main... The captain who went and... After he got out of the quicksand, went marching back up to Jeffrey. 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 Jeffrey, when he goes full on hero mode, and you're kind of like, "All right, this is where this is how we're going <laughs> to wrap this up." And he goes marching up the stairs and doesn't march back down the stairs. No. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, did not see that coming. Yeah, so, he, I'll almost, give the movie props almost, for that. He too. almost rolled down the stairs. <laughs> Classed uh, in the hall, like a flat tire. The look, the look. I also <laughs> like the ending of the. You know, even though a lot of people died, the end of this cycle i like how it ended you know there's only way and way it could end so knowing that it's not continuing on i didn't want to leave the film thinking oh they're just going to keep trapping more women here yeah which is very much a trope for horror films a lot of times and oh yeah i'm glad they didn't do that they were they put some some, as you said the end of the cycle and sort of put a, a final stamp on it not much of a chance of a sequel with these characters. No, no. Of course, I don't think they were sequel happy back then, anyway. So. No, this not at least not with this production company. Right. The if Ghoul it were, Electric uh, of course, if it were Hammer, they would have figured a way to. And they still would have ended it the same exact way, yeah, and, and then brought the Ghoul back anyway. Or yeah, exactly, and not explained why the Ghoul was still alive. Or how? Yeah, Victor Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of had a a slightly, just because I think it was Peter Cushing in a 75 film in the UK. It had kind of that hammer feel to it to me. Yeah, and it wasn't that way. And it wasn't even America's or Amicus or uh, Hammer. It was uh, Tyburn Film Productions, right? So, which I'd never heard of. What's their number one rated film according to (laughs) Imdb that year? In the UK. Oh, maybe. <laughs> no, no, it's just listed as number one. Oh. It's All not right. the highest stars on Imdb. So the guy that directed this, uh, f- uh, Freddie Francis, he did direct uh, a bunch of stuff for uh, Hammer. He did Evil of Frankenstein, Traitor's Gate, Nightmare, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. Oh, that was for Americas. So he obviously went between and Hammer and Amer- uh, Amicus. Why do we say Americas? Amicus. Uh, he went back and forth between Hammer and Amicus for most of those films. Is there anything that you have found uh, or, or looked up? I, I'd heard a story, and I didn't have a chance to research it, that uh, apparently there was a a bit of a brouhaha as far as how the director got Cushing's performance discussing the wife. And that there was there was something caused a falling out between them because of the way that the director mm, went after I that, and I, I didn't get the chance to look it up, so I didn't know if you knew I that. Did, I did not know that. I'd be curious to know what that story was. No, but. I do know that there was a ninety-minute cut 
of this when it was was going to be released and the UK film board made them cut out I think about seven minutes of film and I looked and I think we got the theatrical cut that we watched from Amazon but apparently there's a 90 minute cut out there that they they put back together for the blu-ray that has a few more scenes in it I think the party scene I think I read was longer there's a closer shot of Jeffrey with the knife in his head Hmm. uh, that they forced them to cut and then there's a there's actually a bath scene which I missed in this if it was there but yeah she's actually you actually see her and there's a bare breast uh bathing scene of um daphne that makes it even more amorous yeah exactly (laughs) uh but that was cut for the theatrical cut so which is funny because the little um uh title card on amazon prime has a shot of her in the bathtub right but she's not in the bathtub in that film so weird all right, should we move on to Attack the Block? Hey, we're doing these Doctor Order. Good job, Keith. Yeah. <laughs> Attack the Block is a fast, funny, frightening action-adventure movie that pits a teen, teen gang against an invasion of savage alien monsters. It turns a London housing project into a sci-fi playground, a tower block into a fortress under siege, and teenage street kids into heroes. It's inner city versus outer space. <laughs> Bruv. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, I really liked this. You did? Yeah, I really liked Good. this. Another twofer, too. Uh, we got. I'm glad you wrote I got, was concerned that you would not like this We got one. Jody, and I didn't know that, that Nick Frost was in it, but we got Jody oh, Whitaker, yeah. Whitaker as the doctor, and we got Nick Frost, who played Santa in the, uh, or Father Christmas in the. Uh, I liked this one uh, more the second time. I think that you helped prepare me for this because i remember when you reviewed this i did a little review for the podcast when you first saw it and you said that the preview is very deceptive it's not it's not as much comedy as the no as the yeah, trailer it really makes isn't. it out to be and so i was prepared for that and you're absolutely right that trailer is very deceiving uh it is very much it, it there is there are some comedic moments but i would not call it a, a horror comedy it, it's all. it's a sci-fi horror film with some light and funny moments but it's it there's i would by it there's by no stretch is this a uh horror comedy yeah no. no it's not a horror comedy at all other than some of the horror elements to it maybe because of my twisted sense of humor i found extremely funny but it, it wasn't i don't think meant to play that way I, which, I, which parts did you find really funny oh yeah some of the people when they exploded after they got eaten and think i just i don't know sometimes <laughs> things strike me as funny people and people you know, exploded when they got eaten you know yeah i didn't see anybody explode when i got eaten no it's every now and then Mel and I will watch something and there will be a particularly not even necessarily gruesome but a, a, an impactful moment and we both kind of go oh and to us that's funny but it's not necessarily I, ex- I expected this to be gorier than it was yeah it's really not it's not I mean there are there's there's a couple there's gory some, moments you know heads popping and stuff like that but it's next being yeah down. it's done pretty well um I, the, the, I thought the monsters were imagined so well. They were yeah. brilliant. Having yeah. the, just the, like, glow-in-the-dark teeth and no eyes, I thought it was amazing, especially when they see the one, and it's almost a cheesy, tropey shot uh, when they see the one in the, <coughs> excuse me, in the uh, alleyway. And he says, you know, you could, you can see its eyes, and he says, "I'm not sure that's its eyes." And then it opens its mouth, and it's actually it was the front two teeth you saw. <laughs> yeah, that's some, oh, some amazing. And I mean, I th- sometimes I, th- in fact, I think ninety percent of this was practical effects. I think those were yeah. guys in suits, mm-hmm. but they moved so well, and the and they did a little bit of. They could, I think the only CGI they did was a little bit to make the black even blacker yeah yeah well and I, and I think obviously there was cgi on the mouth to make it glow i don't think it, it I, I don't think i don't know i wouldn't be surprised i if mean they if it, made it they made some led prosthetics or something they made sort. some really good phosphorescent lighting there if they did because that's what it looked like was just really intense that just didn't look too cgi to me i just i uh that was good i thought the the action was good uh john boyega man he is so i mean 
he's such an intense presence and it's weird to see him in this film after seeing him as as uh, Finn in the Star Wars films because yeah. it's such a different character for him. Um, he's but he's just, got that intensity still. He does. Well, but I mean, he has, really has an intensity in this. Right, and, more so. And all those guys do. And, you know, you're, you're, you're a little put off by them at the beginning because they're, you know, these street thugs. And but it's so, it's part of, and I, I think I said this in my last review, it's, it's, kind of hard to take them serious as street thugs uh, yeah no, mostly absolutely. because you know they're young they're 15 as you learn later on that moses is 15 um, they're somewhat inept they're fairly <laughs> inept and then all the slang and language and i i just can't take them seriously as a i i'm looking at jody whitaker and saying why are you afraid of these kids just kick them and run away <laughs> Well, they, yeah, they very I mean, much come across like poser thugs. Yes, as, as opposed to they don't they don't come across that different gang. than the nine year olds trying to yeah. be thugs. Then I, really, I, I disagree. I think when she's attacked, they are very imposing. No, I'll give you they that. They are very imposing, and I and I think and it's because of how they. It's situate because themselves. of it's, it's because, because we don't know that. who they are yet. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, no. I mean, to her, they're very imposing. I think we can look at it from the outside and, and see, well, these are just a bunch of punks on bikes. They don't even really pull any weapons on them until the knife. And But she's in a situation where she's, I mean, she's being victimized. And so I'm almost sympathetic for her of still being afraid of them when they, they come into the apartment. And it just, I, I could, I, I could put, sort of put myself in her position, especially as a woman to, when she mean, hasn't had prolonged not, exposure. Not, not to as them. especially as a woman. Cause I can, <laughs> put myself in the place of a woman but i can see where you've been victimized by somebody and so that that trauma sticks with you i think and what so, keith means is because of the third party perspective that we have right right the, the initial but that's why i'm not saying i why aren't you kicking them and just you could because yeah we oh, have I, a I, I didn't expect her to it from yeah. the plot story-wise but it's just it's hard for me to take them seriously as a threat in general. Right. When they when they first show up, they are a threat because this is what we know of them. They we just, know nothing at this they, point. See, they we, just mugged her. And we get to know them before she gets to know them. Exactly. Right. And, and in yeah. that time frame, we get that wonderful scene of them all responding to cell phone calls and having to check in with parents and, yeah. Yeah. yes, <laughs> I'm on my way. I mean, these are obviously not hardened criminals, right. but she didn't know that. Right, so. exactly. Right. That's, yeah. that's my point, though, is that's why I... I couldn't sit there and say, "Why don't you just kick these guys?" Because I know I'm being led on a, in on more than she is. Well, I guess that's, that's my yeah. point. Is yeah. I don't think that's a detriment to the film at all. No, no, I don't think it is either. I just um, it took some. I think that's why some, I also I think enjoyed realism. it more the second time. I think there's some realism in that too, though, and I because I think that what maybe even in the um, urban centers in London, I mean that, that's almost from what we experience here with the urban centers in some of our larger cities, I think it's almost makes theirs be more tame to us on a certain level, but to them from what they experience, that's, you know, hardcore. So <laughs> I think, yeah, there could be a very big difference. Of right. Right. I think maybe perspective, perspective. is different. Um, I mean, their police don't even carry guns most of the time. I so. wish Nick Frost had had a bigger part. I really thought that there could have been a little more humor with that role. Um, it's there. It's just not. It's it's like they they wrote that character for a specific reason, but didn't really utilize that character enough. I can see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing most of the talking, guys. I mean, obviously, you're in your second time through, so it's kind of harder to review what would what, you like about it everything um yeah i what didn't i like about it there, there's, there's not much there. i i loved the uh, we always talk about films less when we don't when we don't find anything <laughs> to tear them apart i i liked the um i like the premise uh of it to, to start with i i enjoyed the idea that this was a localized invasion and the rationale for that when when we, when we finally kind of get around to the the, the the plot reveal that the it's pheromones. The, the pheromones yeah. and that you know oh okay well and what's great is we also don't learn why they came to earth to begin with or how yeah. other than obviously the comets brought them down but what motivation they might have had to come to this planet if it was on purpose at all isn't explored yeah we just know why they're chasing these people well it's not your t it's, it's not your typical invasion 
it's almost right. like it was it, it's an accidental invasion yeah it really because is. they're obviously traveling in some way and they propagate by following the female well the female has been killed and that's they're still going after that yeah i i liked that it wasn't like a it wasn't an earth takeover it was a propagating this the species is what it what it ends up being. salmon spawning it was yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we got caught up in a galactic salmon spawning yeah i just yeah i the well, premise of it is so different than anything you've you've seen in film and so it's so inventive and, and rare and, and different which i thought i appreciated a lot. yeah they very easily could have tried to put some greater intelligence behind these creatures than they didn't and i really like that i could not get over the creature design uh, it just was so cool just these you know gorilla bear dog things that they've got but the, the way that the, the teeth and the eyes and all of that worked and um even when I, I one of the things that i really really love about it is that because of the design you never really got a good look at them yeah. Even when one's dead, lying there in front of them, and they're touching it, you still can't really make out what it is. Right. And because I, they made that black so dark. Yeah, yeah. I love films that do that. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite is The Relic. Well, that when we finally get the monster at the end of the movie, it's coming down the stairs and it's on fire, so you still can't really make it out. It's just like, oh, this is so brilliant because I hate the alien shot. You know, when you, when you when you get to the end of Alien and the thing stands up and it looks like a guy in a rubber suit because you finally have showed me that it's a guy in a rubber suit, I don't I don't want to see that. Right. And so I love it when they do something different. And 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 these guys did. Um, I, I thought the the characters, while initially being a little off putting because of the wannabe gangster mentality, as we go through the misadventure of of what's happening with them and 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 seeing them fail miserably and then you're kind of along for the ride. Uh, I really appreciated that. I did not expect to like these guys as much as I did or to, you know, be legitimately upset when some of them don't make it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this film moves at a breakneck pace pretty oh, much. It really does. There's it, only a couple of breathers that you get. Yeah. It trucks. Um, and and the, all of the action scenes are handled very well. And uh, I, I liked that there was not... Um, we never got that dumb moment either. It's so, it's so frequently in a horror movie that you get the one person that's, I'm just going to go stride out here and do. And oh, I see. You know what I mean? Yeah. That moment, you're like, ah, you right. deserve whatever's coming to you. We never really got that. Everybody, yeah, that's true. E- even even the even the ladies in the in the one apartment. I mean, the 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 one chick grabbed that lamp and yeah, yeah. busted and started electrocuting. It's like everybody was in on the oh no, not today, Mister. Well, the only <laughs> one that kind of has that is. Uh, high hats, but he's so focused on the kids instead of the aliens yeah. that he kind of gets what he gets and, deserves and that, that way. That to me was the most. Uh, it, it works for this film, but it was the most frustrating part of this, is that even after he sees the gorilla bear thing, rip out his you know sidekick's throat, he does. He still doesn't. He's still taking grasp that on the the, kids the gravity. Of the situation here and what these guys are saying is real. He's still going after these kids, and I think the the guy was a bit misguided. Although, I mean, he was it was the dumb character because they kept pointing to the fact he was always jamming to his own song that he. Yeah. <laughs> and the the irony is prop, prop, prop. when 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 he when he goes off on John Boyega and he is like, "You brought this alien invasion to the block," and Mel's first comment was like, "He had any control over that?" And then two and scenes does. later, we yeah. find out. Yeah. Oh, he actually did. The guy was right. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't know that, but right. he, he was right. And then there's Jody, um, whom I thought was, um, <laughs> in the vernacular of the kids, you swear too much. <laughs> <laughs> she got a potty mouth. I always, I always thought it was uneasy to hear uh, uh, Peter Capaldi. Thank you, Peter Capaldi. Uh, <laughs> Swear up a storm, but then she was she had quite the mouth. Well, you get a potty mouth, <laughs> and she has such a great arc throughout the movie too. Where she starts off so afraid because of the mugging, and then f- afraid because of the scene in the amb- the the cop van, and then you know invading the apartment, and then her growing her confidence, and then. <laughs> Going She's down like, there to set the gas and then get out. This is turning out to be the worst day ever. <laughs> Us too. Uh, 
Yeah, no, there was there was a lot to like here. I, I'm I'm mad at myself that this is, you know, that I didn't watch it before now, because I'd yeah, heard good too. things about it, me but too. I just okay, yeah, I'll get to it eventually, and um, it never really became a priority. But I really really liked this movie. Yeah, it's, this is one that I would own and could watch several several times if if need be. Just. Uh, this is what I was just hopefully with subtitles. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe you know, the next and time it's, with subtitles. It, 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 I I rarely watch films with subtitles, just but this one I I, would, I think I would have. I'm not even sure. It was so slang heavy, though. I'm not even sure subtitles would have helped in some cases because you still I still don't know wouldn't what the know what mean. they were talking about. Yeah, <laughs> you get the gist. Right, I mean. right. I think uh, was it Pest was the the young young white kid. Yeah, yeah he was. He was funny. I really enjoyed him. <laughs> well, and I liked the uh, the kid with the glasses too. He was yeah. We kind of sympathetic to all of them Jerome. at some point. Yeah, Jerome, kind of sympathetic to all of them at one point. On the fact that the two nine year old kids too oh, wind up saving the kid in the dumpster, but then I going love in and that because they them. think they're going in with water guns. They're like, you got these you got water guns, and then they even call the one gun a toy, and they end up with the toy gun, and the one that's effective is the one they leave with the, the kids. big super soaker, yeah. and then they set it on fire. What was it? What was the kid wanted to be called? Uh, mayhem. Mayhem. So <laughs> You're never gonna be called mayhem <laughs> if you keep acting like that. <laughs> No one's ever gonna call you mayhem if you're gonna keep acting like that. That was good, man. Yeah. That was good. Those two kids were funny too. That was some of the humor, I think. That oh yeah, they're, they're pointing to as the comedy, but them and the kid you were talking, other kid you were talking about. Yeah, pest. Yeah, yeah, he was funny. Well, even um, who's the uh, the the other kid uh, that was. Pretty much, he figures out the pheromone thing. Oh, the, who, the college kid who is... He, he really has no purpose in this movie except to qualify the... To have the college... Reasoning behind yeah. this, yeah. yeah Which I thought they easily could have given to Jody's character considering she was has a nursing background. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But this, I mean, it was almost... It wasn't like the, it wasn't like the role was wasted. He was just there enough. yeah. The, I mean, it's his car that right, the impact right. and starts I think, with. I think that's where they, where they did it right. Is yeah. he, he always continually? He was at the in the elevator when the guys are first going or getting ready to get in the elevator when the first the guys are first going to go yeah. up to the floor. It's his car that's involved. He's you know he's there watching the uh, he tries uh, to go back moth. up and then uh... he's there watching the moth documentary in in hi hats or yeah. it wasn't even it's not even hi hats place it was uh, Nick Frost character place but. Uh, when he's watching the thing there, it's just yeah, the connection yeah, and then and then getting ready to go up when they're like running from the thing. That was just it was it was well placed for that kind of informational character. Well, and the brilliance of it is that if you if you made this movie from his point of view, if you followed him through the whole movie, he is totally the hero of this thing. <laughs> because the for the the, the in, you know initial instigating incident it's his car yeah and then all of the the beats that kind of happen throughout it in a way he's present for all of those and then he's the guy that figures it out at the end he doesn't solve it the way you know Moses does but he's yeah this this is this it's you know this is a Pixar short waiting to happen is what happened <laughs> to this guy through the movie good stuff I. Highly recommend that movie to anybody. It's uh, it's a bit violent, little violent, little on the violent side, and I mean not gratuitous. It's got a potty and mouth. It's got a lot, <laughs> lot of language, so be careful. Yeah, it Don't is definitely rated R. Don't want your kids watch it. It's a hard R for move for uh, um, language <laughs> for certain. Yes. All right, Sean. Well, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, next week we get uh, we get our two flamboyant. Uh, uh, a wardrobe uh, doctors. Uh, we get John. <laughs> Is that why you paired these two together? Uh, it, it happened to be an accident. I, I purposely did it with eleven and two, but I didn't. Then I realized that these two went together. I went, oh, okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm always on. Apparently, uh, John Pertwee in the house that dripped blood, and his um, costume is flamboyant in that as well. And Peter Capaldi in Lair of the White Worm. Both of these are streaming free on Amazon Prime, if you are a member, so you can follow along with us and uh, do that. And then uh, the f- next week, 
we, 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 we cheat a little bit because we get Peter Davison, Colin Baker, and Sylvester McCoy all starring. And John Pertwee. And John Pertwee. And John Pertwee again, yeah. Uh, all starring in the Air Zone Solution, uh, which is also on Amazon Prime. And then David Tennant in the remake of Fright Night, Yay. which I've never seen that. I haven't so seen that yet either. I'm, so. I'm, of course, I, but realistically, I haven't seen House of Drip Blood or Lair of the White Worm or the Arizona Solution. There's none of these or, you've seen. Yeah, there's very little on there. There's nothing on this list I've seen. <laughs> this except is all for, new to me. You saw 28 Days Later. I'd seen 28 Days Later. That's the only you one. You haven't seen The Omen? I have not seen The Omen. Oh, I'll be done. got another on my list. That one's so. going to be rough for you. For You think? Yeah. Like Exorcist rough or yeah, I mean in that vein. Okay, so, so yeah. watch it in the middle of the afternoon. I might have to <laughs> with the lights on. I mean, I know it's it's cliche to say that, but you know when you work in video, people ask, "What's we? I need a scary movie." And I, I was kind of defaulted to you know, a I don't like horror films, so I'm not the person to ask because I genuinely think something wicked this way comes is one of the scariest movies ever made. The creep factor in that is just through the roof. And then it's got spiders in it on top of that. <laughs> but if you're going to pin me down, I default to The Exorcist because I legitimately think that one is a scary film. Oh, it is scary, yeah. Even it as is. old as it is. Even as, you yeah. know, everything that goes on. It, that is a scary movie. That's why last week when he read the back of the box for 28 Days Later and they were liking it to The Exorcist, I was like, what, are you kidding me? That wasn't near as scary yeah, as Yeah, no, it's no, not, not, no. not uh, apples and oranges there. Anyway, you can find the schedule. It's all updated on our website. While you're there, be sure to uh, check out uh, our patron link and consider supporting this podcast. And thank you for those of you that are supporting us already. And remember, you can send comments and feedback to feedback at travelingthevortex.com or by clicking the the send feedback link. And until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. Help me, Daphne. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.